Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. Of course, I'm Jeff Jones, and I'm here with my partner in crime. What's up, Jeff? Steve Foster here. How is everybody doing tonight? Hey, everybody. Sorry we haven't been able to get uh, any of these out sooner, but, you know, we've both been busy, uh, not only training and shooting, uh, family. If you watch Steve on Facebook, he is on, I think, Honeydew number 2,375, something like that. Uh, He's been busy. Jeff, thank God we're doing this podcast because I've got at least three more projects I haven't posted today. I like I like the 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 goat mountain that was built. That, that I think that was the last thing I saw. So they, yeah. they now have a place to run around. Yeah, uh, we've got. To, I guess goats like to get high. I mean, be high. <laughs> hey, edit that, Jeff. Edit that. Yeah, yeah. It does. No matter how you say that, it's going to come out wrong. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> My brother had a great idea. He says, "Where's the where's the spikes at the bottom of the pit?" <laughs> nice. Well, you know, uh, Steve, uh, we've got a very special guest with us today. Um, I reached out to him and uh, he graciously agreed to be with us. He is one of the winningest world champions champions in both the World Speed Shooting Championships and USPSA. Uh, In the World Speed Shooting Championships, in one division, he's won the last six years in a row. Wow. The other one, he's won the last five years in a row. And he just recorded his fifth year in a row winning at the USPSA Low Cap Nationals. Everybody, I'd like to welcome Michael Pogue to the podcast. Michael, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, have you had to, you know, Steve had to buy uh, a barn and, and to, to feed all these animals or, or house all these animals. Uh, have you had to uh, put on an addition to the house for uh, all your trophies? Uh, we're, we're building a new house this year just for that. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's hey, great. Jeff, I, I, traded, Jeff, I don't think, I don't think I he's traded, kidding either. I traded a couple of them. No, I'm not. I traded a couple of them just for the cost of lumber rising. Holy cow. Yeah. We're going to make it, I think. Yeah. I, you know, don't tell anybody, but I've got, I've got a new world speed shooting championships from like 2016 trophy coming in. I was one of those uh, secret auctions that uh, uh, you sold it on. I paid way too much for it, but uh, it was worth it. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Well, if you've never been to a world speed shooting championships, uh, they are becoming uh, more and more exciting. This year's was no exception. Um, We all shot it. Uh, there for multiple days. Um, Michael, what was your take on this year's uh, world championships? Well, let me think back. I guess it was probably only five weeks ago, but uh, in that time I had uh, USPSA nationals as well. So as soon as I got home, I shifted gears, but let's think back about it. I don't think uh, this year was a little bit earlier than it has been in the past. So it felt a little bit cooler uh, compared to compared to years past, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. It was, it was beautiful weather out. <laughs> Usually you're, you're worrying yeah. about dying from a heat stroke and this is like, man, I may need a, I may need a sweatshirt this morning. Yeah. What was it? Yeah, uh, no, I, think I think that, it was, that first year in perfect. Alabama, it was brutally hot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now they made a good choice moving uh, earlier in the uh, year. They did. You know, if, if I had any complaint about that, it would only be that we can't start shooting till nine there. 
Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it ends up being such a late evening. Yeah, yeah. it's just a law in Alabama. Uh, you know, you can have yeah. a private range and you can shoot before nine, but any public range can't shoot before 9 a.m. And uh, that's why they keep the squad sizes to eight in the morning to try to uh, get it done in, in about that four hour time frame uh, so they can get the afternoon sessions done. Are the squads larger in the afternoon? Yeah, they're 10 man squads in the afternoon or 10 gun squads in the oh. afternoon. Yeah. See, and I thought everyone just got really tired and we got really slow and lethargic in the afternoon, but that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, so that was kind of the standout for me this year was the temperatures weren't, you know, nobody was getting, getting killed out there. Yeah. Um, it was pretty temperate. I, I want to say it was in the 50s in the morning and you know, maybe wound up in the mid to high 60s. Uh, but uh, as always, headquarters and the um, local group there put on a great match. A lot of good vendors this year. Um, yeah, nothing. The price, price table was great. Um, they put on a great award ceremony and gave us just enough food to get us back into town anyway. So, Yeah, well, you know, they, 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 they do it upright. And, you know, they get a great voice for doing the uh... – the uh, prize table announcing, you know, oh, oh, wait, that's me. I guess I shouldn't promote myself. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, they, they do. They put on a great show. Um, uh, scores are posted, you know, very quickly. Zach and his team does a great job in that. I thought the ROs did a great job uh, keeping the squads moving and, uh, and being able to shoot. And of course, like you said, the weather was, was beautiful. I think I started every morning session that I shot, um, I was in long pants and comfortable and uh, usually in the afternoon you could switch to shorts, uh, but it was still comfortable all day to shoot in shorts if you wanted to. And you mentioned the vendor area yeah. and we had some new vendors this year, uh, which uh, I'm hoping that next year it, it gets even bigger. And I think it will once the word gets out that, uh, you know, these vendors can really show off their products. You know, Brian was there with a new magical mystery tour, uh, van and you know people are getting their Kona golds and and trying out Hunter's HD golds and and I know of at least one person that their gun went down and they went to Brian's uh, van and said I need a gun and he was like go in there and pick it out uh, which is a, a wonderful thing for for him to do. Um, yeah, he's got guns for most divisions. We need to. I need to talk to him about getting a couple of revolvers in there though. I don't think I've seen any. I know, I know. I was thinking yeah. the same thing. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll talk to him. We'll build up. We'll build up something special. We'll get some carbon fiber in there, and we'll make it. We'll make it up good. I may have, if, if that's the case, I may have to have my my revolver go down at the next world speed shoot so I can shoot that one. <laughs> Look, yeah, he'll let's... be he'll be just loaning that out left and right, huh? Yeah, for sure. Michael, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about gear. Um, you know, what, what pistols do you shoot in Steel Challenge and how do they differ from USPSA? Yeah, so uh, my guns that I shoot in uh, both Steel Challenge and USPSA and also in uh, I-Core, I-Core's, um, it's kind of a USPSA and Outlaw revolver only style but I shoot 929 Smith and Wesson model 929 in uh, all three of those. Um, it's an eight shot, nine millimeter revolver. And we only make minor. We don't have to make uh, major in any of those divisions. Uh, okay. So uh, USPSA, I'm using what looks a lot like a stop gun. Um, you know, I take everything apart. 
um, all new internals from TK Customs. Um, and uh, I'll take I'll take the barrels that are shooters, the ones that are really good, and we'll set them back a turn or two to set the gap proper with the cylinder. Um, you know, we straighten cylinders out if there's an issue, and really just clean the guns up. We don't take it quite to like a bullseye level, because um, when the gun got dirty or hot, it wouldn't run if uh, if we took the tolerances that tight. Gotcha. But uh, the USPSA guns are really, you know, they look factory. Um, there's a lot of factory parts there. But um, everything's new, everything's cleaned up and polished and straightened if there's an issue. In Steel Challenge, um, we, we take the barrels off and we put carbon fiber barrels on. So I think a factory barrel's weighing somewhere around a pound. And then the carbon fiber barrels that, um, that we build, uh, coming in between five and six ounces, depending wow. on length and, and uh, profile and everything. But we really get a lot of weight off the front and that's kind of a popular theme in steel challenge is to take a lot of weight out of the gun. And uh, I think there's some other people that prefer to shoot a heavy, heavy gun. I think Colby shoots a really heavy rifle. Have you guys shot Colby's rifle? There, man, we've talked <laughs> about like that eight before. Pounds. <laughs> I like Colby yeah. like a brother, but man, there's something wrong with that guy. <laughs> I think the stock <laughs> is eight pounds, but yeah, it's, it's super, yeah, super yeah. heavy. There, there's a pro and con to it. For so, sure. There is. Yeah. And there's, and there's a bunch of different ways um, to, to attack that problem. And what I found, I, I found that I'm not really faster with the lighter gun, but you go to a long practice session, either live fire or dry fire, and you draw the gun, you know, several hundred times in a day, um, yeah. you're going to take a lot of strain off your joints, off your elbow, off your shoulder when you're drawing the gun, especially as, as hard as I'm trying to get after it. So, um, yeah, so we take those heavy barrels off there and, work on a, um, a lighter barrel, you know, somewhere in the 10, 10 ounce range, uh, lighter, and then, um, sub minor load. I'm shooting 115 grain bullet in the mid one thousands. Sure. Um, and that's, and that's probably one of the hotter revolver loads. There's some revolver steel loads I've seen out there that I feel pretty comfortable with, with a catcher's mitt down range. So <laughs> we've seen them. <laughs> Was that a thud I heard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Michael, I shoot a 929, yeah, so and and the one thing yeah. I noticed, and I'm running, you know, I've I've done some minor work. It's it's still like you say, stock. I'm not running a carbon fiber barrel, although in the back of my mind, I'm hearing the 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 ching of a cash register or the swipe <laughs> of a credit card uh, happening here. Uh, but the um, the thing that I noticed, uh, the I mean, I don't have, I haven't done the enhancements like like TK can apply to the to the gun, but I have uh, changed out some of the internals. I think the stock trigger pull for a 929 is somewhere around 12 pounds. Do you know for a fact? Yeah, I've got, uh, I think I have 11 or 12 929s now. And usually I'll check all that stuff when it, when they come in and I'll write it down, but it's hard to find a trigger gauge that goes up that high. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I know I've got so mine down to about 12. five what are yours yeah, 11 running? or 12 is 11 or 12 is where the performance center uh, brags okay. about them um i've i've opened a couple boxes and found some in the 16s okay um mine are mine have a really heavy return spring and that's something that uh, i find really important uh, when it comes to shooting fast whether whether you're transitioning between plates or in uspsa where you're you know you're down in those mid teens um on one on one piece of paper 
So I'm going to set the gun up with federal primers, federal primers only. I don't even make an attempt to shoot anything else in almost all my guns. And um, a really heavy return spring. So a factory return spring is somewhere in the 14, 15 pound range. And I'll usually use one of those, maybe take a little bit of, a little bit of spring tension out of it, but I, I don't cut it. And, um, uh, the gun returns really fast. Uh, so I'm actually in the six and a half to seven pound range. Okay. Wow. So, so I, I make sure I set the mainspring high enough where I get a hundred percent, uh, fire rate. I don't, I don't want to have any issues with light strikes anywhere. Yep. Right. And, uh, and then I run a really heavy return spring. So I have a gun that I shot in some bullseye matches, just kind of winter, uh, working on those fundamentals and you don't need a, you don't need any type of, uh, return at speed in a bullseye match. And, uh, that gun's in the high threes, high three pounds, okay. double action. Oh, wow. So That's crazy. It, yeah. There's, there's definitely some potential to really get the gun down there, but, um, you know, going fast, you just, you kind of ignore that weight and you really focus on being able to return that trigger. The, the trigger has to go so far. I mean, Steve, Steve, how far does your triggers have to go on your 22s? <laughs> not that far <laughs> it's uh yeah. at, in all seriousness it's it's maybe i don't know a quarter quarter of an inch three-eighths of an inch yeah at, at the most yeah, at the most yeah you know i'm up i'm up in the uh half to three-quarter range depending on where your finger decides to land on the trigger when you're really going after right, it all so. right, right right do you do you shorten that at all michael no i don't no Full length. Uh, we run a trigger stop on the back of the trigger um, so that mm. as soon as the gun is done doing what it needs to do, the trigger stops yeah. and uh, runs into the frame, and then you're able to get back off of it again and reset it. That's got to take out a little bit of the travel, right, out of a factory gun? Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. The, the factory gun will over-travel um, pretty good, it, enough that, uh, well, probably about as much as one of your 22s moves, to be honest. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Enough that you would definitely notice it. So, well, you know, hmm. Michael, I know last year, uh, I think we squatted together and I had asked you, you know, what got you into shooting revolvers? Uh, why don't you share a little bit of that story with our listeners? Um, yeah, so I, I actually just kind of stumbled into it. It seems to how everyone kind of stumbles into their division. Um, I was shooting, uh, I, I shot autos and in high school, I shot a three position air rifle and I did all right into some major tournaments and had a couple of offers from colleges. And it just, it just wasn't something that uh, really hit me at the time. And when I, uh, when I left school, I, I stopped shooting for a little while and then kind of stumbled my way through all the things I could afford, you know, shotgunning, uh, a lot more hunting. And then uh, by the time the age of handguns rolled around for me, I was uh, going to a couple of IDPA matches a month, a couple of outlaw steel matches, maybe a bowling pin match here and there. And, and you know, that's, uh, I was talking to Colby the other day, and I was telling him that's, that's the hardest age to get through shooting is when you're young, you're in your early 20s, and you're starting to pay for things where, you know, before maybe – you had a school sponsoring <laughs> you or junior team or, or parents, the greatest sponsor of all. Um, you know, and if you, can, if you can get through your early 20s still, till, still shooting, you're going to have a chance at making it beyond then. You can get over that financial hurdle and that, 
that life hurdle of, uh, you know, jobs, kids, wives, all that. So, um, so I kind of, I was probably 24, 25 and shot one match a month kind of thing. And I was kind of burned out. I was just about done, uh, shooting. I was thinking about hanging it up for a year. I think I ran a, or helped run a club match for two years. And my father-in-law, we were just over at his place and he hands me a little 357 revolver and says, here, try this. And I was like, oh, this, this is interesting. This is something different. It just, it's one of those things I was kind of in a rut and it just kind of piqued my interest. And you know so he feeling. let me borrow that for a few months and yeah, yeah. He let me borrow that for a few months and um, boy, here I am 10 years later. So let me ask you this, because I know Steve does a lot of practice. I do a lot of practice. And, you know, we preach the fact that if you want to get better, you're going to have to practice. How much practice do you put in even now during the the uh, ammo slash uh, primer powder bullet shortage that we're going through? Um, how much are you yeah. able to put down range? Um, so for me, I, I set my practices up, um, to plan for the next major match. My, my entire year focuses around anywhere between three and five majors. Steel challenge is obviously a big one for me. Um, USPSA nationals, uh, I cores world championship, the IRC. And then if there's going to be any other types of big match, there's a handful of outlaw revolver matches that go on around the country. And some of them, some of them get pretty big and there's some pretty big names that show up to them. So we have a, a pretty good race and, uh, and then the IPSC world shoot. So that's really kind of how my year focuses out. And at the beginning of every year, I'll kind of pencil out where I need to be, um, for each of those matches. And, um, so if all those matches are kind of bunched together early in the season, obviously I'm not going to fire as many rounds as I would if they were spread out over the season. But for me, a general number, if everything is, is kind of hunched together in, you know, two, maybe two and a half, three months, I'm, I'm looking to shoot as, as few as 50,000. Um, things are, if things in, are in what out, time you know, frame, event, in, in what time frame you, you're looking at putting 50,000 um, rounds down in three I'm months looking to be at, I'm looking to be at my level somewhere between six to seven weeks out from a major. So at six to seven weeks, at that point, it's just maintaining, making sure my eyes are fast, uh, making sure my hands are where they need to be. Uh, if I'm going to make any gains, like uh, this year I, I actually made uh, four seconds off my steel challenge time from last year, um, that's another two months of work before that. So, um, so something like the steel challenge, we shot it in April. I started training hard middle of uh, probably second weekend of January. Sure. And what's, what's train? So, so what's training hard? How many days a week? How many rounds a day would you say? So for me to go to steel challenge practice, that's outdoor, outdoor practice only. Uh, work is a hundred miles round trip South and range is a hundred miles round trip North. So if I'm going to work wow. and practice, we're looking at 200 miles and about four hours on the road. Yep. Um, and I'll do that five days a week. Wow. So, and, and laying yeah, down, so how Saturday, many, round, how many sure. rounds are you laying down? Um, average practice session is anywhere from eight to 1200. Wow. That's, see, That's again, a lot listeners, of shooting. Yeah. Listeners, there's, there's your answer. 
if you want to get better, if you want to maintain, here's a guy that's at the top of his game in the revolver in the world speed shooting championships and took four seconds off four seconds for those that, I mean, we've got listeners of, of all different levels, four seconds at Michael's level is an eternity. And so, well, and it's, it's four seconds. It's that's four seconds that I already had in practice. I already had those, that time in club matches. That's just okay, four right. seconds. That's just me getting closer to my normal times, just doing it on that day, no do-overs, on sure. command at the, at the yeah. uh, World Championship. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, it, you know, I don't care who you are. You go to the World Speed Shooting Championships. It means more than shooting a level two or a level one or anything of that nature or, you know, an outlaw match. And, and so to be able to stay focused and do that is, is quite an accomplishment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, skill challenge probably saw 30 to 40,000 in, um, in three months. And, uh, and then as soon as I got home, my guns aren't even clean yet. I mean, I just got home from, uh, skill, um, USPSA nationals a week ago today. Mm-hmm. And I have any, I didn't clean my steel challenge guns from a month ago. They went straight in the safe and I had 40,000 rounds of 130 power factor ammo ready to go to practice for USPSA nationals. And I shot, I shot all of that in three weeks. Man, that's a lot of shooting. But that's a little, I don't have to drive all the way to my outdoor practice for that. So that's seven days a week, uh, five days a week indoor after work. And, sure. um, and then weekends, I'll make the trek up to the outdoor range. So, no, well, that's cool. Looks like you had a, a pretty good fight on your hands with who was it? Rich Wolf that came in second to you last weekend. Uh, K- Caleb did this year. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so Caleb uh, Higby, Josh Lentz, and Rich Wolf—they're all kind of right there battling together. And it's uh, the last three years, I think they've they've swapped places each year. So, man. So yeah, what, was your, yeah, what was your take at USPSA? I mean, I, uh, I was able to watch a live feed and, and saw some of the stages, actually saw the revolver uh, squad shooting, saw you out there on, on one of the stages. Um, what did you think of this year's nationals? Um, I thought it was good. It, uh, again, same thing. The weather didn't beat us down too bad. We were on half, uh, three half-day schedules. So we started at nine and I think they were scheduled to have us off the range at 1240. Um, And uh, the first day was our short day. So I think we were done maybe an hour before that. And then we kind of went over to Crono in the vendor area and kind of milled about for 20 minutes or so. And then we were out of there just afternoon. Um, You know, compared to shooting full days at the steel challenge, it it felt like a vacation. We shot (laughs) five, six stages, four or five bays and, you know, normally when I'm done, when I walk off the range at Steel Challenge, I shoot uh, morning and afternoon. I'm, I'm beat. Oh, I, don't yeah. wanna, I don't even want to drive. I, w- I want yeah. someone else to drive me around if I can get away with it. I want to shower. I want to eat some food, and I want to go to bed. But, you know, we're out of there. I was, I was in the hotel taking a shower before 1 o'clock, and I was like, oh, that was, that was really easy. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's go do that again. So I, I really enjoyed that. But, um, you know, they put down uh, 20 stages in those bays, and one of the bays was a vendor area. And that bay also had um, chrono and, like, a test fire, function fire area. So they, uh, they did a really good job of using the bays that were available. And um, something that I think is missed out on at club or area levels is uh, short stages. 
And that's something that yeah. I learned a few years back at mm-hmm. the World Shoot is some of the most interesting stages are in that 10 to 14 round. Um, well, I should say 8 to 14 round. They don't have to all be long. You don't have to be running to have a really interesting you know, you can have sub 10 second stages, even with a revolver and find them uh, very interesting. Throw in a couple of movers, throw in a couple of options and uh, it can get interesting. So, yeah, the, the IPSC does that uh, three, two, one uh, format where it's, you know, three short courses, two medium courses and one long course. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we go to local matches and everyone's like, 12 round stage, but I want to shoot 32 rounds. And, and to your point, you can yeah. have a, you can have a very interesting and challenging, you know, short course, uh, that tests your skills. And it's not just about, you know, being able to shoot a headshot at 20 yards. It's, it's, it's different skills that, that you can apply. Um, so I agree with you on that. It is. It is. And um, I had a different perspective this year. My dad came with me. It's the first time he's been to anything but a local match. And uh, I asked him what he thought. And he said, well, that, that was a lot different than I expected. Um, he goes, every shot, every shot in this match, I think I could make. He's a, you know, so he goes to a club match and he sees you know, a plate rack at 30 yards at, uh, I'm not going to say a PCC shooter put it out there, but. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> um, you know, or Texas star at 18 yards. And that's, and that's really hard on, you know, the bulk of the sport is um, I think C and B shooters, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And the last thing that I want to see at a club match or especially at a nationals is that guy get out there and, and, and put a magazine at one or two targets. And that's just hard to watch. And, and uh, this, this match did a really good, um, a really good job with the stage designs of making sure that there wasn't a single shot out there that a C-class shooter couldn't make. There was no, there was no target that, uh, you know, give a C-class shooter <clears throat> a magazine and say, all right, put two in that target right there. There, there was never an issue with that. And I think that's really important, especially when it comes to nationals, the top guys are going to push. You give yeah, us an sure. open target at 18. We know that the next guy is going to shoot it as hard as they can. So we're going to have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter if you throw out, you know, put 50-yard partials out there. Okay, well, the top guys are still going to figure out how to get a couple bullets on that piece of paper. But, you know, the rest of the field is going to have a really hard time with that. And that's just not something that I want to see. Yeah, and we talked about this before. I think Jeff and I off the podcast, there's another shooting sport. It's not Steel Challenger, USBSA, so that kind of narrows it down. Sorry, Jeff, you may have to (laughs) edit this out. No, it's okay. they had a, they had a major match and it was, you know, I didn't shoot the first year where they changed the format. I shot the second year. And I mean, you know, you're shooting plates out there 30, 40 yards with a rifle. And it's like, okay, whoever's going to come out on top is still going to come out on top. But, you know, I squatted with some youngsters, you know, 12, 13 year old boys and girls. And, you know, one girl started crying cause she, she ran out, you know, three out of five stages. It's kind of like, or strings. It's kind of like, where's the fun and all of that? You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you make some good comments around that. And I think there's a, a lot of wisdom in that just because it could be a little bit tougher, not quite as tough. Doesn't mean that the top people aren't still going to come out on top. You know what I mean? So. 
Well, I think if you I ask most of the top back, people, I mean, I mean, Michael's one of the top shooters and, and you, and you ask the other top shooters and, you know, do they want to shoot a 50 yard headshot? And the answer is no, <laughs> they'd much rather have the challenge of being able to break down the stage. Yeah. How can I, how can I shoot this faster on the move or how can I engage it differently to maximize my efficiencies? Cause that's what they're doing at, at those levels. And everyone should be doing that. Uh, it's just that you're going to maximize it at the level you're at, you know, um, exactly, exactly. You know, that's it something. wasn't that long ago, 15, 15, 20 years that a lot of clubs uh, went away from the steel challenge and they became unaffiliated clubs for one reason or another. But I've, I've talked to some people that have been around for 30, 40 years and uh, they kind of had the same opinion, you know, early two thousands that the steel challenge stages were too hard for the average person to come out. You know, the average person's going to walk out with a, whatever they have at home of Beretta 92 or Glock 17. Yeah. And they're going to come out with the two magazines that they have. And I mean, we all know how difficult that is uh, even for experienced shooters coming out with a bone stock Glock 17 stock trigger stock sights. You might start at low ready because you don't have a proper holster. Um, you know, you're new, you're, you're shaking in front of a lot of people, and, and you're going to open up on pendulum. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> sure. What a nightmare for a new yeah. shooter. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. We run a local match, and, and we have always getting people, you know, they come out and they, they check it out, and oh, I want to I wanna shoot this. I said, great. And, you know, what are you shooting? And, you know, oh, I've got a Glock, or I've got a Smith & Wesson Shield, or, or, or uh, uh, I've even got a CZ, and I'm like, do you have a 22? I said, you will come out and you'll exactly. have more fun yeah. with a 22 and you want to have a lot of fun, put a dot on it. <laughs> I said, understand what it's like to shoot these stages because you're absolutely right. Roundabout, Smoke and Hope, Showdown, those are relatively fun stages with, with any gun and capable shooters can shoot those. But you put somebody on on Pendulum and they're reloading to now get a shot on plate two because they've missed plate yeah. one, you know, nine times or 10 times. Um, it, it just demoralizing for them. And um, you come out with a 22 feel what it likes. And then, and they, and they also realize that they, they might not be as good a shot as they thought they were. Um, yeah. You know, I know you do some training and the one thing that I preach is, you know, uh, grip the gun and go one for one. And what a lot of people don't read into that is it's go one for one at your speed. You're not going to be yeah. a world champion the first time out there. Um, so don't worry about the time, but if you can go one for one, you can get to start feeling what it's like to take a sight picture on each of these plates. And yeah, you can blaze by smoke and hope and maybe get lucky and not see the sight or the dot on the plate. Um, but you're not going to do that with pendulum or the fourth plate on five to go or the, you know, plate number three on accelerator. It's just not going to happen. You better have a good sight picture or exactly. And, and good, good um, uh, fundamentals of marksmanship as well. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people forget. And it was funny. You were talking yeah. about people liking heavy revolvers and, 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 and I'm one of those because I'm still, you know, I, I'm pushing it and, uh, and I'm close to GM, but I still have those occasional, you know, crappy draws and I'm virtually teacupping the gun <laughs> and it stays on target because it's so heavy. <laughs> yeah. 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 When I take new people out, I don't, I don't even ask them what they have anymore. I said, all right, you're going to be at, you're going to be at this address at this time and you need to bring 
glasses and plugs and I'll bring everything else. And they go, really? And yeah. I go, yeah, I just bring, I bring a gun, I get, a gun that works. That's important. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't realize that their guns don't work or, you know, they busted out that Mark two, that Ruger Mark two that they had and they shot it 10 years ago at a pop can and they haven't cleaned it. And so while it might run a mag, it's not going to run a match. Right. So, yeah. 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 I just bring everything. I give them everything they need. I got a little range bag for them and, and they go out and have fun, and they want to go out again. They ask, how much, how much does that cost to build? How do I get, you know, how do I get into this at the right price? And, sure. and they have much more fun when the stuff just works. No, we, we, had a, we, we dedicated an episode to talking about that, where it's, you know, we said, you know, a $2,000 gun, a $6,000 gun isn't going to make you a better shooter. And a $400 gun that runs is better than a $1,000 gun that doesn't run when it comes to this game because it's you know especially when you're you're crushed the first four plates and you go to the stop plate and the gun goes click um that's quite demoralizing (laughs) i saw some uh some young shooters this year that are making the jump from rim fire to center fire at the steel challenge and they're they're not that young they're adults now on their driver's license anyways and uh, they come out and they have a good showing with uh, all their low ready guns, and then they switch to a gun from the holster, expensive guns from the holster, and it it just doesn't. The gun won't work. The mags and the gun don't get along. Something. And uh, and they don't have the time. Um, they don't have the time into that gun in practice to to get the gun running smooth. And uh, yeah. And a lot of rimfire guns, at least a lot of my rimfire guns, they'll work a lot dirtier than uh, centerfire guns in some cases. So. Um, what do you shoot, yeah, Michael? I saw, you, I saw a lot of ahead. people I'm sorry, upset, go ahead. Uh, that their centerfire guns didn't run. Let's talk a little bit about your rimfire guns. Are you shooting 617s? I am a 617, so that's a Smith & Wesson 10-shot 22 revolver. Shoot the 4 or 6-inch, or do you have one cut, a 6-inch cut down? I've got, um, for, for open, rimfire pistol open, I've got two of them. One of them is this goofy little cone pencil barrel that weighs uh, 1.9 ounces. That's crazy. So we basically got rid of all the barrel weight and uh, aluminum cylinder. So we, you know, we're down into the low to mid-20s, 20 ounces for the entire gun weight with grips and a dot on it. And then uh, for iron Damn. sight, I have a six-inch gun that we uh, cut the underlug off of. So brought it down to four inch weight, but gave us another fifty percent sight radius. Sure. But I try to stick yeah, with um, I try to stick with revolvers. It's too hard for me to jump back and forth. Right now, I've I've spent a lot of time on it outside of uh, big matches like that, but um, just not happening for me yet. Yeah. Did you happen yeah. to see uh, Takumi's gun at the World Speed Shoot? I did. He shot a six shotgun. Yes. And it looked like yeah. Han Solo's blaster. <laughs> yeah. I saw a picture that Casey posted yeah. on Instagram. Uh, yeah. It's, I, I don't care what it looks like. You show up to a steel challenge match with a six shotgun with five plates out there. You're, you're on a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Speaking of a whole nother level, you're talking about. Some of these young kids that can't come out of the holster. What about my man Kenny? Holy cow, he shot what an eighty-two and open. Oh yeah, what what an animal! What a great kid too. I I had met him before this match, and 
and uh, he'll be up there. He'll be in Super Squad with us next year, setting that pace. So pretty man, un- pretty impressive, unbelievable. Yeah, There's and people and you're that right. shoot years that can't shoot in '82. He's 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 a great kid. And did you see? He posted on Facebook. He he goes he he goes. This is the this is the string I think that made me famous, and it was shooting <laughs> his open gun. And he ended up like he shot and then he stopped and then he looked and then he shot again and then he stopped and he looked again. (laughs) And he just, I mean, but again, the, the perfect attitude. I mean, there was one where he shot and he was close. He was shooting PCC and he does this move where he like, I don't even know how he can do it, but he gets really low, almost like he's limboing. And I'm like, Oh my God, what does he do? You know? And he, he was just, he was, I think it's his way of like, Oh geez, I was close, but I didn't make it, and then it you know lets out a little frustration. Yeah. But um, you know, and again, you know, I got to meet his dad, and of course, as a junior, I gave him the standard thing I always tell all the fast juniors. I said, "You better watch out because I've got this foam finger, and if I'm shooting with you, I'm going to poke you right in the eye because it's the only chance I'm going to beat you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's pretty impressive, especially at that age to come out of the holster like that. I think it was Casey's the last person who was that fast at that age. Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It'd be interesting to go back in time and see, because I, I think Casey won his first uh, open for Steel Challenge when he was 13 or 14, right? Somewhere in there? It, so, 13, 14, 14, 15, somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the time was pretty similar to uh, what Kenny just did. Man, that's crazy. Yep. He's yeah. uh, hopefully he keeps a revolver out of his hand, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to worry about that. It's too slow. <laughs> yeah, he's holding up his uh, PCC cup, and it's like half the size of him. Oh, did you see yeah. the picture when he had all he had like his cups and medals at at, at yeah. in front of this thing? It was like it weighed twice as much as he did. <laughs> I mean, he's just yeah. a little wisp of a guy, but yeah, he can move. There's for sure. Yeah, he's quick. So, but, yeah, no, it's really to good the- to see especially someone that young coming in and, and coming from the holster. I mean, all of his times from the holster were really aggressive. Oh yeah. I'm, uh, sure. I'm hoping to shoot with him here in August down in California and just, just absolutely impressive. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Back to your, uh, 617s. Did TK custom do those? Yeah, they did. Um, those have, um, apex mass driver hammers in them. So apex, um, made some hammers that were specifically made for 617s. You still need a little bit of weight. So in the centerfire guns, you want to take as much, as much weight out of the hammer as you can, where with a 22 rimfire, you need to leave yeah. a lot of the weight in the hammer. Um, and where I grip the gun on a revolver uh, with the grips that I use, uh, I use some hoe grips that they cut. They cut kind of like Jerry's, uh, but they slimmed them down on the sides. I actually grabbed the gun up on top of it and I can't shoot a gun with a spur with that grip. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if I leave a, a factory hammer in the, um, in any revolver, the spur will just run right into my hand and uh, won't be able to finish its stroke. So it's, sure, uh, sure. the mass drivers from apex for the 22s. Um, they keep a lot of weight up top, but they, they kind of shorten it up just so that uh, the hammer's not going to come back and run into your hand. Hmm. All right, I think I'm going to be making a phone call on uh, tomorrow morning. Yeah, get in line, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've got, like, yeah. three seconds to squeeze out for, for 
OSR and and I'll get my HGM and I am I don't want to say struggling. I'm I'm it's I've I've got to step up my mental game um, uh, in in. I had it happen this weekend at a local match where I had three great runs of accelerator and then I started thinking and it was all, it was all over. <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, I broke the rule and instead of, you know, just going out there and shooting and, and uh, shooting, you know what I, I, it's not my term. I've used it from other people, but you know, that subconscious shooting where you just, you know how to do everything, pick one thing you're going to do, and focus on it. And, uh, I started worrying about missing plates and then I miss plates and, you know, for you, for you shooters out there, uh, your mental state is, is huge. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of the kids excel. Um, and it's not that I want, I've always said, it's not that they don't feel fear and it's not that they're afraid of missing, but they just have such confidence in their speed that they're not worrying about misses. They're not thinking about them. And I think that's, yeah. that's a huge, a huge positive that they bring, you know, um, so many people I shoot with could be faster. They just are afraid to miss. And, you know, man, I miss all the time in practice uh, because, you know, you're pushing your speeds and I'm sure Steve, you know, you're out there, you know, at one point you were the world record holder in, in smoke and hope. And I'm sure you in practice sessions, you missed a lot to be able to get that fast. Am I right? Yeah. So the concept we've talked about before, it's like driving a car, you know, the first time you got behind the wheel, you're going 45. You're like, Oh my God, <laughs> all these telephone poles. And after a while, it's not a big deal. Same thing when you're driving all at 60 and then even 80 miles per hour, you have to, you have to experience that type of speed to feel comfortable. Along those lines, Michael, what's a good tip that, uh, you know, or something that's really an aha moment for you from a technical or shooting perspective, something that maybe you pass along during your training to a lot of people, but something really that's kind of like, you know what, this one thing, when this happened, it all came into, came into focus and everything was clear <laughs> for me. But what would that be? I'm not sure if there is one thing. I feel like I have an aha moment every time, uh, I don't know, every two or three weeks I go out to practice. I go, oh, yeah, look, yeah. At, look at that little thing. Yeah, but, uh, for sure. This year, this year I, uh, I changed my training a little bit on Steel Challenge, and I think that had a lot to do with uh, the number that I was able to, to put up this year. Was um, I talked to BJ Norris. I, I called him up probably back in uh, February, and we had a conversation about um, perceived speed, uh, perception of accuracy and then, and then real speed and, and actual accuracy. And uh, something that I experienced a few years ago, shooting uh, standards at USPSA, USPSA nationals used to be held at uh, Passa Park um, in Illinois. Hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever shot there, but they would set standards on uh, turning targets. So the targets would be uh, at 90 degrees to you. So you couldn't even see them. And then the time there would be no buzzer. The targets would just turn and you draw the gun and you'd shoot and they would, you know, they give you six, seven, eight seconds to shoot. There'd be three targets. You'd shoot two in each, and you'd reload, and you'd shoot two in each. And sometimes after that reload, you'd shoot strong hand or weak hand or, or freestyle both times. But, you know, they, they put real distance out there, and they put um, hardcover on them. I mean, I, I remember shooting, uh, 
six reload six freestyle both times at 35 yards in I think they gave us six seconds. Wow. I mean, with a draw and a reload and, and putting rounds on paper. Um, and I, I took that home and I started to practice that afterward. And I worked on different vision techniques, watching the sites, observing the sites. But something I learned and something I talked to BJ about a few months back, and I never really talked to anyone else about it, was uh, you, you don't get more accurate as you go faster. Um, so what I mean by that is, uh, you guys were just talking about missing in steel challenge this year. I went out to practice. I probably got six or eight really solid practices in before my wife came to practice with me. And she goes to, um, uh, she goes to all my weekend practices, uh, for steel or USPSA and just, just kind of helps me out or is there hanging out with me. And, um, she came to probably somewhere, somewhere just short of my 10th steel challenge practice this year and i think i opened up on uh five to go and um i don't really do a warm-up when i come into practice i just load the gun and go for it and um i might have got i might have got one or two plates on that first string and uh i kind of saw her out of the corner of my eye just kind of look at me (laughs) and she didn't say anything and then i did i did two or three more runs and she's like um is everything okay i said what do you mean she goes I, I total you've hit like 10 plates out of, you know, five, six moon clips. Is everything going okay? I said, Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just working on my speed and I'm observing as long as I see the dot and I see that I miss rather than hear it. I'm okay with that. And she goes, yeah. are you sure? All those runs were sub two twenty. So I'm not expecting to go out there and shoot five plates on five to go in the, in the, in the teens, in the two teens. Um, but when I slow that down to two thirty, two forty. You know, I'm getting four out of five. Or mm-hmm. I'm going five out of five once mm-hmm. every three times. And I and between that, um, noticing that perception of speed, like you were just talking about, Steve, and that conversation I had with BJ about slowing down, unless you add seconds to each shot, you're not going to turn. Um, you know, you're not going to you're not going to turn an inaccurate shot into a really accurate shot unless you're just observing the sights more. And if you just observe the sights more at speed, you're able to see the same thing you'd see if you shot slower and still hit the target or miss the target. The outcome is the same. You're just observing it harder. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I think we've all got, I call it the wild thing. I don't know what Steve says, but when I have my students go and I say, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go as fast as you can possibly go. I want you to target every plate. I don't care if you hit a single one, but I want you to tell me where the sights were on any plate that I picked that you missed. Yep. That's right. And when I do a class, I show up with a a dozen targets, a USPSA targets that are spray painted black and we'll put them out at 20 yards. And sometimes we'll even stack them and I'll have people put four five, six rounds on that. And then I give them a little target. I say, all right, you're yeah. all on this piece of paper where all your bullets are. Absolutely. Well, I can't do that. I said, well, then you're, you're not looking at the site. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it's kind of funny, Michael, because uh, Grant and I am um, fortunate enough uh, to spend some time with Grant over the last couple of years doing some training and, and whatnot. So I'm writing an article for USPSA magazine based on his performance at the World Speed Shoot. One of the things that we got into is this exact discussion about, he said, Steve, you know, a couple of years ago, 
he's just so he's got such a fast finger. I mean, he can pull the splits that the kid can shoot it on unbelievable, unprecedented. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, he, there, there's other people out there that are that fast, but he can transition the gun so darn fast. And he said, you know, it just been working on the visual stuff and he's just seeing it so much more. He said, see, there are times with the lights in the right direction. He says, I can actually see the bullet and where it's going to impact the target. It's, it's crazy to get yep. that uh, type of visual discipline and, and it's uh, my frustration comes in. I was sharing this a little bit with him and some other people here not too long ago. It's like, you know, with school or, you know, uh, you got the kids and the job and building structures for the goats, Jeff, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it, it's, you know, I had a training session, uh, not yesterday, but the day before I dropped, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand rounds because uh, I had some time on my hands and, uh, you know, I got a little frustrated and I was shooting outer limits and it's like, it's I'm pulling the trigger and it's like, what the heck am I looking at? It's like, why not? It's just that visual discipline. It's why don't you let the sight get on the target before you pull the trigger? How about that? But, you know, to your point though, I, I didn't get too frustrated because I knew exactly what I was doing. And when I'm training folks, that's what we focus a lot on is, is that, you know, because I'm standing behind them. I said, you're just pulling the trigger a little bit too soon, or you're cutting your eyes and you're cutting your eyes off the dot as it's entering the plate. And that's why you're shooting to the left. It's like, how do you know that? Well, there's not too many things that you're doing that I haven't screwed up before. And, uh, but, but it's, it's interesting after you get through, you know, pulling the trigger, how to reset it, you know, and transition the gun and, you know, how you rotate and all that kind of stuff. It, it is a lot of visual discipline and that comes with time in, in, in practice, you know, it's uh, I'm a little envious. I know, uh, Ashley is absolutely uh, amazing. You've got a great support system there, Michael. So that's, she's, uh, yeah. she, she's one cool lady. I like seeing her at the range and it's great that she comes out and supports you, but you know, with kids and whatnot, man, it's so tough sometimes to get to the range, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. And I actually, wait, 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 whoa, 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 stop, stop. It's so <laughs> hard to get to the range. Okay. It's like it is, it is. 25 yards down a hill in your own backyard okay we've got a guy here that drives 100 miles to work and then 200 miles to the range and it's so hard for you oh to man michael do not don't let this guy fool you okay hey hey, hey michael That's did you know that do you know that i have a home range yeah, there it is there it is it's, I, I hear that i hear that yeah. i'm building a new house and i don't have a home range at my no dude what are we doing here oh man maybe 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 you guys heard what homes are going for right now out uh, out west oh, but uh man. A, a home range is probably out of the question for me where are you at are you in washington or where are you at yeah i'm a I'm north of Seattle, about two hours north of Seattle, right on the okay. water. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So home range isn't an option. I might, I am, I am kind of messing around with a pellet gun though. <laughs> you know what? Interesting. It's funny you say that. I just got one today. I bought an M17 huh? uh, SIG pellet gun and uh, I've got GT targets making me some six inch targets. And that's something I can shoot in my backyard. Just make sure that the, the shrapnel's covered and I'm going to see what I can do there just to have some fun because next year I'm going to have to pick up the iron sights and start pushing those guns. And I, yeah. it's, I need to relearn visual patience, patience on those guns. Cause I, I'm so used to shooting a dot that I pulled out my SIG and, 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 uh, for production and, Oh, I pulled the trigger fast, but 
I think it was like that practice you had where it was, I was trying to hit the plates, but I only hit two <laughs> where you weren't even trying. <laughs> See, this is, this is where revolver comes in. So you yeah. can do full dry fire practices with revolver. Yeah. You don't put holes in the wall or piss off the neighbors or any of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So what's what's next? I mean, you're you're on top of the mountain in terms of the, the revolver circuit in the last four or five years. So what's uh, what's the next four or five years look like for you? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I don't think that far ahead. I take it one one match, one day at a time. Yeah, I hear you. These uh, these guys in USPSA. I mean, steel challenge. I'm I'm I got a good uh, a good gap right now to the next guy in steel challenge. Uh, but USPSA, these guys are always pushing. You know, these guys are these guys are shooting hard. They're shooting a lot more matches than I am, um, and they're also willing to you know throw whatever they've got at the wall and see if it sticks. Where um, you know I'm I'm out there for the long game. When I started nationals this year, I go all right. I got 20 stages, and when the music stops, I know where I need to be standing. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and some of these guys, they throw something at the wall and it sticks. And then it sticks in the next stage and it sticks in the next stage. And you go, Oh, am I going to have to turn this up? You know, you gotta, you kind of got to go out there and, and play the long game. I think it was uh, four or five years ago, Ben Stager won production nationals and didn't get a single stage win. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's him thinking 20 stages long, you know, yeah, and, that's, for sure. and that's, I think that's what you've got to do to stay ahead. You got to have an edge. You got to have something, but um you know, I've got some other, I've got some other things going on. I might, uh, you guys might actually see me pick up an auto here at a steel challenge match one day. Oh, oh, I want to, I, you never, do you shoot P, do you shoot PCC at all? Uh, no, I have guns for every division and I will shoot it and I'll go, well, that was fun. Back, I'm going back to my thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I owned me. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I like all the divisions, um, even the iron sight divisions. Yeah. I like the challenge of them. I like the fact that we've got 13 divisions. I've got, I've got guns that I could go in any one. Um, and, you know, you were talking about how you were shooting for a while and you kind of lost interest and, and, and your father-in-law gave you a revolver and it was like, oh, this re-sparked the interest. And that exact same thing happened to me when I started uh, shooting all the centerfire guns. And it was just a challenge of from a draw – uh, being able to shoot fast. And, um, it's what's, yeah. kept, you know, it's, what's kept me involved. I, I love shooting RFPO. I love shooting PCC and RFRO. Uh, they're great guns are a lot of fun, but, uh, for me the the challenge in the center fire is, is what has kept me driven for the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's a whole new world for, um, compared to a uh, low ready gun. Oh yeah. 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 I think there's, I think there's been a couple of, uh, um, I'll call them generational changes to the game in the last 10 years. And, um, practice score has been one of them. Did you guys, uh, did you guys compete before practice score was a thing? No, no. Mm-mm. See, I'm from, I'm from back in the day where there's a club that I shot at for years that you brought a self-addressed stamped envelope and you got the results a week later hand scribbled and run on a photocopier and I don't feel like I'm that old, but here I am <laughs> old school, baby. So, yeah. So back in the day, like seven years ago, not that long ago, 
um, you know, the, uh, the results would come out. Each club did a different pre-practice score. They'd kick them out on a uh, Excel doc, convert it to Word, post it on their website, or USPSA would have results. Uh, they used, um, I think it was easy win score. Same yep. thing. It kind of kicked it out in a graph. Nothing, nothing too exciting, but there was no combined button. And if you wanted, to, if you went to a nationals where they shot, oh, like this past nationals, we shot four divisions in low cap. Um, there was a website, I think it was called uh, combinedscores.com. And it was the most generic forum you'd ever seen. It might've been run off a server in like Russia or something. And, um, <laughs> and unless you sat down and did long form math, uh, or you went to this uh, questionable website, um, you know, you, you don't know where you finished in, you know, I don't know where I finished with a revolver compared to single stack shooters. Okay. And I think that's really had a, I think the uh, practice score combined button has really had an impact on uh, the choice, the gun people come out with. I mean, you guys probably use the app, right? Practice score competitor app. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. You pop that open, you search for your match. Uh, the match comes up, and what, is it, what does it open up with? It opens up with combined overall. Yep. Yeah. And I think a lot more people look at that today and go, well, I want to be on that first page, and I want to be in that you know, top 10, top 12 at, at, my club, at my club match, at my area match. And so I think a lot more people have gravitated those toward those low-ready guns, especially low-ready guns with a dot, and where you know, 10 years ago, not even 10 years ago, five years ago, those guns were entry level guns, and then everyone went towards the centerfire guns from the holster. Yeah, and I think we see that now at the, especially at the uh, World Championships. I mean, we had what six six hundred fifty guns there, and maybe two hundred entries came from the holster. Yep, six thirty five. It was six thirty five that that uh, finished, uh, and there were over three hundred and twenty guns in just PCCO, RFPO, and RFRO. Those three divisions many were over in, uh, half the match. How many, how many, when you click on main match, how many are there? 150, uh, I think that worked out to be like 22% of the match or 25% of the match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that uh, if you wanted to shoot one of the uh, low-ready guns, you showed up on Thursday, Friday, and uh, it was kind of... Uh, you know, hang out. Everybody just kind of says hi and shoots those guns together. And now that's really taken over the match. And I think that, um, I think that has had a lot to do with that practice score combined that, um, that information output that practice score is kicking out now. Sure. And everyone in the sport today is, you know, even you guys, you've, you've never been to a match without practice score being right yeah. there for you. Yep. So I tell you that, in then, the last year, in the last year, uh, maybe year and a half now, 18 months, for me, I think the biggest advance has been the integration of the AMG Labs timer um, yeah. to practice score. And with practice score competitor, you're able to go back and look at a match or use it in uh, a practice session, um, which I use practice score all the time and just record my, my strings in, in a match to be able to go back and look at what my splits are. And so do you, do you, you, you use that timer in practice? Yep. Right? Do you set up uh, your own match 
and yes. and report to your own match so you yep. th- so that later you can go over that data absolutely and i shoot it so it's, practice is practice and then um i always end that practice with what i call match conditions which uh is a little different than normal because as you said you know we're a sport that it's like okay you're up go and your warm up was you know, maybe running around the range or, 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 you know, doing some jumping jacks or something like that. We don't get USPSA. They have a hot bay and they did have a hot bay at, at, at worlds. But if you were shooting the first session, it didn't do any good because we can't shoot until nine. So, you know, you have that advantage of, of having a little warm up, but it's, it's totally match conditions uh, with regards to, you know, makeups and, and, and being honest with yourself with misses and, and it's amazing. Um, I don't know if you, if you do this with your students, but I do with mine all the time. And, you know, we're at a practice and I just say, okay, it's match conditions. I break out a tablet uh, and I'm there ready to go. And suddenly they tighten up like, okay, this means something. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what I'm trying them to get not to feel is I want you to feel comfortable shooting in a match condition. So when you do go to majors, it's just like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm here. It's no big deal. You know, five to yeah. go is five to go. Yep. Um, and it makes a big difference. And once you can get somebody past that, you know, feeling the, you know, Shannon calls it the juice uh, or nerves or, yeah. or whatever, and just go, listen, I just need to do what I need to do. Stop thinking like I didn't do this weekend. You know, stop thinking and just perform. Uh, yeah. You sudden, those times start coming down. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think that juice, as Shannon says, ever goes away. Yeah, well, he felt it, it at worlds. Doesn't for and... me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's there there are a couple it. people that go out there, and my daughter's one of them. She says she never gets nervous while she shoots. It's like, are you kidding? I'm nervous while you shoot. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, uh, you know, I think if that ever went away, I'd, I'd probably think about doing something else. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Well, Shannon's, love it. Shannon's I, I, juice is, is that, you know, ready to go, getting ready. I'm, 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 it, it's, the juice isn't nerves, you know, and nerves aren't always bad. You know, I listened to, to some no. of Lanny and he talks about how n- nerves aren't a bad thing. It's, it's, you just have to learn how to not let them control you. Yeah, I think what a lot of people miss is that uh, a lot of people think that they inhibit your performance, but um, uh, physically they can actually enhance what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stories about people doing superhuman things when they uh, shouldn't. Um, but uh, if, if, you, if you feel that running through you and you can just go, okay, I'm, I'm here now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready for this to go and, Someone asked me uh, probably a year, year and a half ago, someone says, you get nervous. And we were just about to do a big shoot-off, and it was probably – it was for some money, $1,500, a head-to-head shoot-off, uh, falling plates. And I said, uh, I said, well, I got pants on today, but otherwise you would see my legs shaking. <laughs> <laughs> and I, for and the I'm love of God, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm a, and I'm 100% serious, and I, and I, I love that. You know, I get up there and I go, all right, this one counts. Let's, let's yeah. send this one. Let's do it. Yeah, that's cool. 
Excellent. Well, Michael, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, this has been a great hour. I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, is there, you know, any other words of wisdom or uh, insights you'd like to share? Um, nothing, nothing comes to mind unless you guys come up with something. I just kind of, I grab a little bit from everyone here and there. You know, I grab stuff from the top guys. I grab stuff from experienced guys that aren't top shooters and I grab stuff from new shooters and I go, Hey, what's that guy doing over there? Let me, let me take that to practice and try that and see if it works. But, uh, you know, there's no, there's no one way to do everything right. And, uh, I think seal challenge is a great example of that. You know, you see, you'll see top shooters, um, sh- shoot different, uh, plate orders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and they also have different mindsets of how they're going to go out and do it. So there's, there's no right way to do it. I think, uh, recently a friend of mine sent me a picture of, uh, uh, Lena, gripping a gun uh, mm-hmm. not not as would be prescribed if someone was drawing it out for her. maybe not even as her dad would describe if he was going to show one of us but but it works for her right and i think that's something that's important for everyone to uh remember if it works for you now i'm not talking about putting magazines backward in your uh, mag house <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i'm not talking about uh, a uh a holster right where your belt buckle goes I'm pretty sure we've uh, proven all those methods aren't the most um, effective. But, you know, if you have a different grip technique or you see a, a plate order differently than someone else does, don't rule it out. Don't think that you're right, but don't rule out uh, your way or someone else's way. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because there's, there's two classic stories that I like to use just in this topic, and that is, you know, most people shoot five to go, one, two, three, four, stop. But... Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've never saw him because he doesn't compete anymore. But I've heard that Rob Latham would shoot at four, three, two, one stop because it was very effective. Yeah, for him. But this, see, but this is Rob. There's no. <laughs> well, he's he's the other part of the story. Is is when I took a class from Shannon, yeah. <laughs> and he was talking about how you know uh, fundamentals of marksmanship and and grip and 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 trigger press, and he's like, now don't go look at rob latham shoot because rob will tell you he slaps the trigger and and yeah you know but it works for him because you know the other parts of it are are so good you know so that's exactly you know supporting your your point is that you've got to find out what works for you um you know i always ask shooters they always come up and i know steve has heard this from a lot of people michael i'm sure you've heard it what's the best way to shoot this stage you know, it's smoke and hope. What's yeah. the best way to shoot the stage? And, you know, I've done the math on the movement of the guns, and it's like, just don't ping pong. Just don't go back and forth. Yeah. One, four, two, three, yeah. stop is not correct, okay? Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, other than that, you know, I'll ask people, well, do you like to shoot left to right or right to left? And they're like, well, I don't know. I said, well, then we need to find that out because that makes a big difference in how you're going to shoot this stage. Yeah. Again, to your comfort zone. So, Excellent. Yeah, and with Steel Challenge, um, if you can help it, just change direction once. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah. that's really all there is to it. Just, just one. If you can start at one side, go all the way to the other and come back, uh, or like five to go, you can go all one direction. Um, sure, but you know, you're not going to argue if Rob Latham shoots at four, three, two, one stop. That's because Rob went out and shot it a hundred times, one, two, three, four stop, and a hundred times four, three, two, one stop. And he goes, 
I'm two one hundreds faster going this way just because I'm more consistent. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And he knows sure. that if he takes that to a match, he's not going there to look for record breaking numbers. He's just going. You know, he, Rob might look at that stage and go, "I just need to survive five to go." Yeah. You know, I could I could trash this in the thirteens from the holster, mm-hmm. or I could just sit here and run a comfortable twelve, even though you know I'm not going to give myself a chance at an eleven. Um, or ten five, but I'll just sit here and run the high eleven, low twelve, and and that's that. Call it a day. So if that's if that's what works for him, and and um, boy, if he could give me some pointers on outer limits, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'd shoot outer limits backwards and sideways and upside down all day mm. if I could just come up with a consistent run on it. Yeah, yeah. It, in a small, quick story, you know, talking about Lena and. Being a student of the game before, uh, you know, I saw this young youngster out there just slaying it out on Instagram. It was Kenny. And so uh, I picked him up off yeah. of Instagram, which is cool. But I asked him a couple of questions. I said, man, why do you do this? Well, Steve, because Chris, Chris does this. And I said, okay, well, why do you do this? Well, because Grant does this. And I said, well, why do you do that? And he said, well, does Steve, you do that. And I'm like, all right, all right, that's cool, <laughs> you know, but, but, but it's, <laughs> But we've talked about before about being a student of the game. I mean, everybody's got a little bit different slam on it and uh, what makes them really effective at what they're doing. And so, you know, to be able to to yeah. take little pieces of that to make your own game and to make it better, man. Yeah, it's, un- it's unbelievable. Well, thanks again, uh, Michael, for spending time with us, brother. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. And, uh, and I know you do some training. How can people reach out to you? to do some training um if people want to get a hold of me for training or um or they want some uh 929 barrels built uh actually i'm branching out into some 617 carbon barrels too for the rimfire guns um facebook's easiest way or catch me at a match but uh shoot me a message on facebook messenger is really the easiest way to get a hold of me sweet sweet all right sounds good hey steve why don't you give us that Steel Target Paint podcast uh, rangestore.net discount code? Yeah, it's ST Podcast 10 to get 10% off at rangestore.net. Michael, thanks again, brother, for spending time with us. It's, uh, it's always great to see you and always great to talk with you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, you, you guys, too. All right. Bye-bye.